This week's TribCast is sponsored by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, delivering quality health care to underserved areas throughout Texas by expanding vital telehealth services. Learn more at telehealthfortexas.com. And Greenberg Traurig's Texas Government Law and Policy Team takes clients' multifaceted legal and policy concerns and turns them into action. Find out more at gtlaw.com. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for January 20th, 2023. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Tribune. And this week we are going to talk about immigration reform, an elusive topic that has failed to gain traction in Congress for, for decades now. And ever since uh, President Joe Biden took office, we've seen a parade of Republican lawmakers visiting the border in Texas and elsewhere, drawing attention to the crisis there and blasting the president for his failure to fix the problem. In the 2022 fiscal year, apprehension surpassed 2 million people at the southern border. Recently, El Paso was overwhelmed with migrants who had recently crossed, um, making it difficult for the NGOs and other agencies there to help them, um, and leaving many left to sleep on the streets at times in freezing temperatures. And of course, there's you know, been, you know, for generations now, painful uncertainty for millions of migrants who are living in the country with uncertain status. Um, early this month, there was another trip to the border that was taken. This one led by our Senator John Cornyn of Texas. But this one was a little bit different. There were Democrats present and they were, you know, uh, intent um, in sending the message that they really wanted to find a solution to this kind of ongoing problem. Uh, today, talking with us about this is Matthew Choi, our Washington, D.C. Co- correspondent who is on that trip. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Matthew. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And Ariel Garcia, who is our El Paso-based immigration reporter. Hey, Ariel. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks to both of you. So, Matthew, I want to start with you. You, like I said, were on that trip. Just tell us a little bit about it. What did you see, witness, when you were following these senators around? Right. This trip was very different from most I would say all other border trips of the past couple of years. Uh, Most of the time, border trips are very partisan affairs. Um, It's just members of a certain party. Usually it's Republicans saying, you know, the border is way too open. It's porous. It's a humanitarian crisis. um, And it's just a sign of gross neglect on on the part of the Democrats. Meanwhile, Democrats generally go there to say, you know, Republican border policies um, that are often, uh, you know, focusing on deterrence and punitive um, are really just like inhumane and not working and leading to, you know, uh, you know, the current situation that we're in. So either way, it's generally quite, you know, serving the political interests of each party. This time, however, um, it was a bipartisan delegation and they were not at all in that kind of um, angry, um, ire-filled um, tenor as other trips. They were uh, listening to, um, you know, stakeholders talk about what the realities are like every day. Uh, they were lauding each other with praises, even members of the opposite party. Um, and more than distancing some, themselves from a specific political party, they were more distancing themselves from uh, the ideologues. They were saying, we are a group of people who have had success in the past, um, getting, you know, very difficult legislation across. Um, and this is going to be our next challenge. 
tell, tell us quickly who who these folks are who were the kind of the the notable players on that trip sure thing yeah for uh for one um the two hosts of this trip um were our own senator john Cornyn and also arizona's senator um kirsten cinema um the trip included also a trip uh, a portion um in the arizona border as well um uh Senator Sinema is an independent, formerly a Democrat, who um, has long been known for reaching across the aisle on a number of things, being a key negotiator on um, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act um, back in 2021. And uh, Senator Cornyn and Senator Sinema uh, worked pretty closely together in order to get um, last summer's uh, bipartisan gun safety legislation passed, which was another uh, priority that many people thought was kind of an impossible task. Uh, he and um, Cinema and also um, Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina was who is another Republican. Um, you know, worked very closely on that bill. And Senator Cinema and Tillis um, uh, have been making early forays into an immigration deal um, late last year. Um, they released a very rough framework um, that would pair greater resources for border security with. Um, some more security for um, DACA recipients. Um, and that's kind of become like the germ of what, or the, the seed of what uh, future Senate action on this might look like according to these members. Ariel, I wanna ask you what is sort of an obvious question, but I think, you know, in the world of lawmaking and politics, it's maybe not as obvious as, as we think it is, which is what is the problem that needs to be solved here? I mean, because it, it, it at times it seems like there is kind of unanimous agreement among you know people across the political spectrum that the immigration system the the situation at the border is is a problem but i think there is a wide disagreement of even what the definition of a problem is and what is representing that problem give give me kind of your perspective from 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 el paso there on that question yeah i mean it's uh Let's try to unpack this a little. I guess when we talk about the issue of immigration, I think uh, something that advocates will say is that maybe we need to stop framing it as a problem, right? It, immigration is not a problem. Um, I think the issue is, um, you know, something I've learned even living, uh, being a new um, resident on a border town is People see immigration here differently in the sense that um, people come back and forth all the time, um, not just for work, but for tourist reasons and and, and family reasons. Um, so I guess you know to unpack that question is, you know, there's an estimated 11 million undocumented immigrants in the United States. That's one issue to deal with, right? We're talking about people who've been living here for years now, have created a family here, and their children uh, are feel in feel in in you know rightfully so uh, uh, are American. So, and then there's the issue of uh, um, asylum asylum seekers, which is a new phenomenon that we've been seeing for you know since at least the Obama administration. Um, and you know, we're, there's also the issue of um workers visas uh the tech industry depends a lot on 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 a lot of labor from uh, overseas to come and work here um so there's a lot of things to unpack there right and i think one of the issues in politics is that 
a lot of this these nuances get lost and they want to pass one bill to deal with all these all these sectors and one bill is not going to deal with all of that right and i didn't even mention um uh the dream act for for dreamers right that's another issue unto itself so i mean i think the i like i said politics doesn't lend itself to want us to solve issues necessarily you know a lot of people will tell you what uh, uh how to solve some of these issues but the thing is that it's not easily it's easy to it's not easy to to send that message in a digestible form for people to understand all the time, um, you know. But I have a question actually for uh, for Matthew. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, me. I'm from Arizona, and I remember John McCain was one of the uh, one of the leading Republicans on wanting to deal with immigration reform, right? Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham was another Republican, and as you know, history tells us is that they'll champion immigration reform up until it matters, and then they turn their back on it. So I guess I wanted to ask you, Matthew, how do you, you know, what's different now uh, for Se Senator Cronin, right? He's another Republican who says he's going to want to pass immigration reform, but I guess how serious is he on that? Because we've seen Republicans do this only to back away at the last minute. That's a great question. And something that um, Senator Cornyn and also Cinema have been saying from the get-go is, you know, they're really trying to manage expectations. Um, they were saying, like, this is not like the end-all, be-all bill on this, you know, entire genre of issues. Um, Rather, they just want to get some progress, and they and they understand the political limitations right now, right? Like the House is going to be a very challenging body to get anything through. Um, it currently has a Republican majority that, in and of itself, is very divided. Um, that has several different competing um, philosophies behind um, how to deal with border security, how to deal with immigration, um, and you know, there was a lot of criticism of the bipartisan gun bill last year, um, even though that was considered like the first uh, movement that we've seen in a generation on what seemed to be an impossible issue. Um, it lacked a lot of provisions that many gun advocates have been saying are essential to effective gun control or gun security. Um, likewise, you know, a lot of immigration activists are similarly kind of, you know, muted, muting their optimism about this, about the feasibility of a major immigration bill that can address all of these issues. Um, I suppose what's giving Senator Cornyn some new confidence and hubris right now is that like last year, he was able to still get a lot of legislation across um, on a bipartisan basis. He, like, you know, there was, of course, the gun control, uh, the, the gun safety bill. Uh, he also got legislation across on um, a, a competitiveness with China um, through the CHIPS Act. Uh, that was a key priority among, you know, the foreign policy community for a very long time. Um, and so being able to kind of tap into that power, despite still being a member of the minority, is something that's giving him some fresh confidence, I suppose. And I think that uh, another element that is often kind of overlooked that um, on a macro scale that a lot of Republicans are saying this is an important reason why we need to address this now is because of that factor of competitiveness on a global scale. Um, there is a labor shortage in the United States. Um, many communities um, on the border, further inland in the United States, are saying, you know, we cannot staff up our businesses. Um, and that's not only, you know, 
you know, the past prioritization of like, you know, college educated white collar workers. I mean, like um, all kinds of businesses are facing staff shortages right now. Um, and, you know, we just don't have like the same personnel manpower as a country that has like over a billion citizens. So, um, so that's another element that, you know, that a lot of Republicans are saying, this is a reason why we need to address this issue immediately. All right, let's pause for a second and hear from our sponsors. UT Dallas is the third highest-ranked public university in Texas by U.S. News & World Report. Surprised? Find out more at utdallas.edu. And Texas Farm Bureau. Find affordable health care coverage through Texas Farm Bureau's health plans. For more information or to get a quote, go to tfbhealthplans.com or call 877-500-0140. Okay, Matthew, you brought up the the, the gun bill that, that Cornyn helped um, kind of usher through Congress after the Uvalde shooting a couple times already. And I, I, I want to zoom in a little bit more on that even because I think it is fairly instructive, right? Um, because what, what you had there, of course, was the, the mass shooting in Uvalde and uh, a kind of moment in time where it felt like there was this big crisis and that we needed to do something for it. And on the one hand, what Cornyn do, did was, you know, pretty spectacular. He uh, he passed, you know, the first kind of significant gun legislation in in decades, similar to kind of what would be true of of immigration. But as you also mentioned, it didn't kind of it was fairly modest in its policy implications. I think you know. I'm looking back at our story from when it passed the Senate, and we said the most noteworthy provision of the bill closed what was known as the boyfriend loophole. Um, federal statutes at the time prohibited firearm purchases for those convicted of committing domestic violence against spouses or partners who live together. Um, the Senate bill left it, to the, left it to the courts to kind of determine the contours of how to define dating partners, but essentially it made it harder for, you know, people, uh, you know, to to get those people showing violence, uh, signs of violence, you know, the ability to get guns. But like, I mean, you know, what people were talking about after shooting the shooting, people calling for major gun reform legislation, we're talking about raising the purchase age for, age for assault rifles, banning, you know, various uh, weapons and everything like that. It, it did not completely overhaul the gun law. So, you know, on the one hand, it was a major kind of breakthrough to get the two parties that were so separate from each other on that issue to to come together on something on the other hand it's you know is it a major policy breakthrough i mean so does that seem like the most if something were to happen here the most likely result on immigration like you know a victory of like actually seeing the parties work together but not something that changes the the paradigm around immigration in this country that is really something kind of still up in the ether right now. Um, you know, we, you know, a lot of activists are, have pretty muted expectations because just the starting point is pretty far from each other. I mean, the Texas members, uh, Texas Republican members of the House introduced their own uh, border security plan that had really nothing to do with um um, you know, reforming legal immigration pathways or any kind of diplomatic approach, which is the top priorities that 
uh, Democrats are saying are need to be focused on. Um, it was really kind of about you know being very punitive and um, getting uh, ending all crossings pretty much except through ports of entry altogether. Um, you know that's that's quite a distance away from what the cinematillist deal looks like. And Senator Cornyn actually told me he said you know like you know we're really optimistic we're really grateful that the House is looking into this issue, but they need also kind of need to be realistic realistic they need to pitch something that is actually going to pass on a bipartisan basis and everything is indicating that what is so far on the table is not that um yeah um and you know there is a big difference between now and the um gun safety bill in that you know the gun safety bill was sparked by a catalyst, which was, you know, the shooting in Uvalde. There was a very direct implication, a very, a very clear single event, um, where Senator Cornyn said, you know, this is happening in my in my state, and it and there needs to be a response because children's lives are, um, you know, on the line. Of course, immigration and the border similarly has to do with the lives of one of our, the most vulnerable people in the world. Um, but it's not a single event. It's 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 a it's a long-standing trend, um, and so in that regard, rather than being pushed by a single you know catalyst, uh, it might be a little bit more difficult to get the same kind of uh, momentum, I suppose, that was behind the gun safety bill. Um, that said, for the past two years, Republicans have been harping on the border as one of their number one attack points on Democrats. Um, so among like the con conservative ecosystem, uh, this is something that's been front and center for a very, very long time. So, so a lot of people are ready for some kind of action. Um, actually, a lot of border Democrats in the Texas delegation themselves have also been privately being kind of frustrated with their own party for not prioritizing this issue more. The past few years have really been focused more on things like climate change, healthcare, um, other, you know, um, kind of marquee democratic priorities. Um, and, you know, immigration and border security have been kind of put on the back burner. So now that they're, now that those kind of priorities have been done and like the trifecta of democratic power in Washington is over, um, we might see more momentum in this sector um, going forward. Yeah, you, you mentioned that Texas uh, GOP delegation plan. Uh, I was looking through kind of the provisions. You looked at things like finish the border wall, um requiring dhs to immediately turn away people you know um encounter at the border who can't be immediately detained uh you know putting new restrictions and limits on this who qualifies for asylum increasing penalties for people who overstay their visa it was very much a kind of um border security cutting down illegal on illegal crossings you know uh disincentivizing people from coming uh to um to america um you know without the uh, official permission of the the u.s government when you look at the democratic party platform it's it's very different right it's um you know lifting title 42 it's expanding protections for dreamers and the parents of american citizens uh path you know exploring a path for to citizenship for people who are in the country now protections for workers who are you know, um, uh, subject to exploitation and everything. It is much more focused on taking care of the people who are already here or who are coming and and making sure that they are treating humanely. It kind of goes back Ariel, to, to what we raised in the first place is like seeing 
two different types of problems and not necessarily agreeing on what those problems were. I mean, what do you hear, Yell? I mean, what what would be the most of the ideas that are kind of bandied about? What do you think would have the most actual impact on on the immigration system in the country? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the the issue of uh, of eleven million undocumented immigrants hasn't been dealt with, right? And I think when you try to only do enforcement. The only thing that's going to create is more um, people being in this limbo of not having legal status or 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 having undocumented status. Um, I mean, I I I think what advocates want is they want Title Forty Two lifted. I think that no one is pretending that uh, uh, Title Forty Two is is to deal with the coronavirus. Everybody wants to use it as an immigration control tool, and it's not. It it's it's not an immigration tool it wasn't written as an immigration tool and yet it's being used so it you know for those harping that we need to keep title 42 it doesn't seem like a long-term solution um and and but at the same time you know there, there's no one's providing an alternative um you know before title 42 there was a, an asylum process and again, keep in mind, just because someone asks for asylum doesn't mean they get asylum. Um, and it's a it's a uh, on average a five year long process for someone to have a decision on their asylum case. So it's not as someone comes in, they get asylum, and all all of a sudden they start getting more benefits than an American citizen. It doesn't work that way. And so people want to be able to go back to that system to be able to open up the opportunity for someone who asks for asylum. And again, no one is that saying give them asylum, just open up the opportunity to do so. Um, and uh, apart from that, you know, I, I think one of the on the issue of uh, on dreamers, I think a lot of people are you know, maybe because the narrative has been that dreamers are ambitious or have gone to school or want to work, um, you know, I'll, you would think that that'd be the most easiest problem to solve, yet people don't seem to want to solve that. There's still, for a lot of dreamers, they're still li living in this legal uh, legal limbo of like, am I here legally or am I not? Am I still uh, subject to deportation or am I not? So, I mean, I think a lot of these things need to be overhauled and there's not one simple solution to each one of these things. Um, I think what's missing is the political will to want to do it. Um, you know, for someone who doesn't cover politics or rights politics, um, I would put it this way: Some people are going to have to risk losing their seat to be able to 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 get these solutions or these problems solved, because we know that there's a lot of pushback on any sort of uh, on any sort of efforts to want to legalize the status of uh, of immigrants, and it might not be convenient for some Republicans, but you know Republicans are needed to be able to overhaul this system. And like I said, some of them may have to risk their seats to be able to do this. It, it also seems true that because you need Republicans in order for these you know, measures to pass, that there's going to have to be some kind of beefed up 
enforcement mechanism to this, whether it's the wall, whether it's putting more money, you know, to border patrol and everything like that. Is that something that would be palatable, you think, Ariel, to um, these advocates pushing for some of those protections if it were in exchange for a solution for dreamers or or some of the other kind of, you know, things that 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 they are advocating for themselves? Uh, no, I don't think it would. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to get through. Yeah. Um, year and year again, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, which oversees all the immigration uh, enforcement agencies, has had their budget increase. Border Patrol has had their budget increase. Time and again, you know, Congress has given more given more money to border security without any without any anything in return for what Democrats want. So, you know, people will keep saying we want more border security, we want more border agents, we want more wall, we want more technology. They're already getting it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but the issue of legalizing uh, uh, the status for dreamers or for un some undocumented immigrants or opening up the channels for asylum has not happened. So no, it wouldn't be palatable, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> DHS keeps getting the money anyway. You know, if you look at this cynically and you look at the difference between uh, the situation we are in with uh, immigration right now and where we were with guns, you know, in the month after Uvalde, um, you know, Matthew, you you kind of described or uh, a little bit about how it, it's a less of a single inciting event. But I mean, the other difference is, well, one that, um, you know, Democrats no longer control both chambers of Congress. Um, and so you're going to need something to get through a Republican controlled chamber. But I think also the other thing is, I think Republicans in the aftermath of Uvalde viewed um, this gun issue and the issue of shootings and, and maybe a feeling that they might be punished if they don't take some sort of action in the aftermath of that. Whereas on the border, I mean, this has been a pretty winning issue for them politically, if you're just looking at it cynically for the last few years. And I do wonder whether there will be enough Republicans who are willing to take a little bit of ownership of the issue, you know, and 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 take away that kind of uh, instrument to say, like, look at Biden, he's not doing anything in here when, you know, passing a bipartisan bill, no matter how ambitious would would allow Biden, would allow Democrats, would allow a lot of folks to say we're doing something about this here. Um, that in of itself, I just wonder, Matthew, whether the the incentives are in place for for something like this to happen. Well, it seems like what the um, there is some division, first of all, between among Republicans. Um, there are some Republicans who, such as Senator Cornyn, who are who you know say that they're sympathetic toward. Um, the situation that the dreamers are in and have worked in the past on some kind of deal that would give them um, a more secure status in the United States. Um, that faction of the Republican Party um, no longer is the dominant narrative among Republicans. It's been split. Now there is a very large contingency of Republicans who are openly just saying that any kind of um, provision for dreamers is the word they use is amnesty. And um, they just are just completely against it at this point. Um, 
So overcoming that division um, in and of itself among Republicans is going to be a challenge for, you know, whenever they decide to tackle that issue. Um, but that might not be until later on, because currently the prevailing narrative among House Republicans right now is we cannot even touch the issue of, of you know, of dreamers, of legal immigration pathways until we, in their words, secure the border. So hardening, so the top priority right now is just hardening the barrier, hardening the border with, with more barriers. Um, and um, not just in the form of more money, uh, you know, like this past uh, government spending package that passed just before the new year um, included, you know, large increases in funding for the DHS. Um, they say that, you know, money is not enough. They need specific targeted action toward um, deterrent strategies um, as opposed to just increased funding for the current strategy right now. So that division among Republicans in itself is going to create like some serious roadblocks, um, even if Republicans were to control, you know, both chambers. Um, and that faction of, you know, more right wing Republicans has gotten even more power in the past couple of weeks because of this, you know, great Shakespearean fight over who the Speaker of the House would be. Um, Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy ceded a lot of ground toward um, toward uh, more hawkish uh, Republicans uh, within this conference. I, I'm also just a little bit fascinated individually with the, the positioning and the decisions of John Cornyn to continue to put himself out there um, on this on issues like this. I mean, what we saw when um, that gun bill passed in June is that the next July uh, or the following, you know, the next month, uh, his disapproval rating in Texas increased from 39% to 50%. He took a lot of heat for that bill, even if it was somewhat modest um, in, in, in what it did. I mean, it seems like he is, by putting himself out there like this, putting himself at risk of that kind of blowback again. Uh, what's what's his calculus here, Matthew? Well, I mean, he'll... he'll say until he's blue like this was not a calculated decision this was just because kids lives were at risk and we needed to do something um i mean that said like you know senator Corden has been in the institution for a very long time he has a lot uh he, he's very much like an established person within the senate he's been there for you know ages he's very close with senate democrat uh, senate republican leadership um i think he feels that you know he has the political capital to spend, you know, on these, on these issues. And he really is not, you know, kind of like a rally type person who like really just kind of appeals to the base. Um, he has long kind of curried this reputation of himself as being like, you know, this steady handed person who is just a, like a lasting vestige of when, you know, the Senate or when Congress is not as divisive as it is now. Um, so, you know, I think it really is just, you know, he thinks that he has the, he, what he really wants is accomplishments. Um, and he thinks that he has the political capital to get them done. Well, it will be fascinating to watch how this plays out both for the policy and also for Cornyn politically. But that's about all the time we have today. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you to our producer, Justin. And thank you to our sponsors, Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, Greenberg Trorig, UT Dallas, and the Texas Farm Bureau. We'll talk to you all next week. We